Welcome back to Friends and Neighbors, a Wagner Brothers podcast in which we discuss depth and simplicity in an often shallow and complex world. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and today, shaking the nonsense out. Hey, this is Reggie, a man with a thick Brooklyn accent, said into my voicemail. I'm calling from the New York Times. Um, I want to get your voice into the narrative I'm writing for your, uh, you know, uh, wedding announcement. Inconsistent as it might seem, I've been an avid and enthusiastic reader of the Times Weddings and Celebrations section since picking up the paper my first weekend in town. My amateur diagnosis is that reading a dozen or so wedding announcements a week provided me with evidence that despite what I experienced growing up, marriage can work, or even if it doesn't, well, people seem to keep trying. I like to think the Times played a role building my confidence in the institution itself. And so, as Abigail and my wedding approached in the fall of 2007, as unrock and roll as it might sound, well, we wanted in on that ink. When Reggie and I connected, he'd already spoken with Abby, so I was just confirming facts and elaborating on story points. We met at Rockwood Music Hall, yes. I sing and play guitar, yeah. I was in a relationship when Abby and I met. Wait, wait, what, what? No, 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 I told Reggie. I was as single as I'd ever been in my entire life when I met my now wife. I was doing one of those time off things. So uh, how long had you been single, he asked. And how long was your previous relationship? And I was all like, no, 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 no. It, it wasn't like that. There wasn't some long-term, heavy-duty, breakup, bounce-back thing. More like a series of mishaps. Three years here, a year there, six months there. All failures, really. So there I was, I told Reggie, late 30s, trying to figure my shit out, which is when Abby tapped me on the shoulder. Much as I worried that our borderline saccharine story, not to mention my enthusiastic retelling of it, would make Reggie puke, he was great, and our announcement was published the morning after our Saturday, October 6th vows. It read thusly. Mary Abigail Keller and Benjamin Barons Wagner were married yesterday on Bray's Island, South Carolina. Jennifer Day, a notary public, officiated at the non-denominational ceremony, which was led by Bo Lozoff, a founder of the Human Kindness Foundation of Durham, North Carolina. The bride, 32, works in New York as the North American marketing manager for Tiffany & Company. She graduated from the University of North Carolina and is the daughter of Gail D. Keller and Richard H. Keller of Wilmington, Delaware. The bridegroom, 36, is the vice president for digital news at MTV in New York. He graduated from Syracuse University and is a son of Mary Bolster of New York and David Wagner of Indianapolis. Miss Keller and Mr. Wagner met in March 2005 at Rockwood Music Hall in New York, where Mr. Wagner, a singer and songwriter, was performing. Rockwood is smaller than my office, said Mr. Wagner, who has recorded 12 independent albums, including 2005's Heartland. I knew everyone there but her, and I wondered if she'd just randomly walked in off the street. As it turned out, Miss Keller had come across Mr. Wagner's profile on Friendster, the social networking website, two months earlier. At the bottom of Mr. Wagner's profile was a link that led to a personal blog in which Mr. Wagner wrote about his passions, singing, songwriting, and photography. Suddenly, I'm peeking into Benjamin's life, Miss Keller said. He enjoyed many of the same things I do, and so I became intrigued. 
which is what took her to Rockwood. I walk in with a friend and all the regulars there look at us, and we scoot up to the bar to get a beer and watch the show, Miss Keller recalled. I thought Benjamin was good, and I also thought he was cute. When the show ended, Miss Keller tapped Mr. Wagner on the shoulder. I've never been that aggressive before, she said, but I saw a chance to introduce myself and went for it. They chatted and chatted and continued talking that same night at the coffee shop in Union Square, but Mr. Wagner, single after what he describes as a long series of relationship mishaps, failed to mention that he was, quote, just taking some time off to figure things out. That left Miss Keller wondering why he didn't call. We liked each other and exchanged numbers, she said. I I just didn't get it. So in mid-May, she called him. By the time his telephone rang, Mr. Wagner had figured it out. He went on a date with Miss Keller two weeks later, and they have been an item ever since. When she called again, I told myself, she's awesome. Don't be an idiot, man. Lightning doesn't strike twice. It took some convincing to get author, activist, and mystic Bo Lozoff to provide over our ceremony. Christopher and I had, of course, spent a day on his ashram shooting footage for what would become our PBS documentary, Mr. Rogers and Me, the year prior. Short of Fred himself presiding, and I would have asked had he not passed four years prior, Bo was one of the wisest, deepest, most spiritual people I knew. Sita and Bo's Human Kindness Foundation had Bo traveling to 200-plus prisons a year, corresponding with hundreds of prisoners and scholars and publishing books and newsletter. The weekend of our wedding was to be just days after Bo wrapped a particularly grueling leg of his tour, and a few days prior to moving off his 75-acre communal farm. So Bo was reticent, and for another reason. Bo explained how his spiritual seeking and months on the road had left him feeling rootless, childlike, unpredictable. I'm not sure anymore what I'm going to say next, he told me. Bo's name on my cell phone was the first thing I saw the morning of my marriage, other than the ceiling which I'd been staring at a fair portion of the night. Was he pulling out? Had he fallen ill? Ethical dilemma? I let the call go to voicemail and went for a walk along the edge of the property. The tide was out, leaving narrow, muddy shallows through the deep green reeds. On the lawn beneath the 300-year-old live oak that would act as our altar, a flock of white egrets picked at the soil. I walked through the thicket to a dock as Abby and I had just two nights prior when, in a moment of rare and wondrous synchronicity, a pod of dolphins swam past us. I sat there a while, taking in the river's slow bend through low country. The sky was bruised purple, the river gray like lead, and I reminded myself that worrying would not change the weather. And then I continued worrying about it. Walking back towards my cottage, I spotted Abby's dad racing off to his tea time. I heard women's laughter, then turned to see Abby, from whom I'd been quarantined the night prior, and her girlfriends jogging off on their bride's 10K. I smiled, went back to my room, and listened to my voicemail. Benjamin, Bo said in his raspy baritone, I've been up since 4.30 this morning thinking about you and Abby in the ceremony, and I realized we just didn't spend enough time together yesterday. There are a few more things I think are important to discuss without anyone around. I called him back, set up a time, and then pulled on my running shoes. While the ladies kept at the road, I set off along the river's edge. Everything around was green or gray, wet with fog. 
A hawk circled overhead. A heron stood motionless in the shadows. Crabs scurried clear of the muddy path in front of me. I'd hoped to run with my groomsmen, but they're sleepers, those guys, so I relished the solitude and got lost on trails I'd run dozens of times before. Later, Bo and I sat down to talk on the front porch. I was reflecting on Abby and your vows, he said, and I'm not sure they're explicit enough about your commitment to one another. Yours are beautiful and lofty and poetic and personal, which is great, but Ben, as I told Abby, love is not always beautiful and poetic. It can be querulous and difficult, and you may want to give up. In our culture, he said, there are plenty of voices that might say, do what's best for you, he paused. But we don't wear a ring on our finger to show our commitment to a job or to a place or to anything except our commitment to one another. I began editing. By lunchtime, it was pouring rain. As I drove myself through a full-on monsoon to pick up a sandwich, my rental jeep kicked up a speedboat's wake through the pond-sized puddles. This, I thought, sucks. Three hours later, I stood in the men's room of the inn at Braze Island, reciting my vows in the mirror. My brother Christopher and groomsman Sibby were queued just outside the door. My buddy James, who helped me step my rookie half-Windsor knot up to the more classic full-Windsor, stood next to Bo. It's gonna be fine, dude, my brother said. I wasn't worried, really. I was wound like a top. Short breath, nervous prattle, heart palpitations, like before a rock show, which, let's face it, our wedding kind of was. Three bands, two tents, open bar, light show. It's easy to be swept up in those things, in portraits and poses and place settings. It's easy to focus on the celebration but miss the ceremony. If it feels like I'm leaning on you to keep from passing out, I told Sibby, I am. We were beneath an ivy-covered trellis just outside the end, my right hand resting on Bo's shoulder, my left on Sibby's. My parents were jostling around me, all of us in some sort of stunned, awed, overwhelmed silence. The strings began clear to loon, and my mother teared up. Do you know what that song is, honey? Your grandfather loved that song. I know, Mom, I said. That's why I chose it. She kissed my cheek and smiled as Chris, with a wink and a grin in my direction, led her down the aisle. The aisle, as it were, was 100 feet of lawn leading to that giant, Spanish moss-strewn live oak at the edge of the river. In front of the tree, in two sections of eight rows of eight seats each, some 109 guests craned their necks in my direction. The sun had broken through the clouds and was casting silver and gold diamonds on the suddenly blue waters of the Pocatalago. Bo, who was humming Claire de Lune, squeezed my hand and set off down the aisle. He reached the altar, a thicket of mulch and palm fronds at the base of the tree, as the music stopped. A lone cello began the bass line of badly drawn boys The Shining. I paused for the counter melody two bars in, took a deep breath, and began walking. Shoulders back, eye contact, slow down. Oh my God, the river looks amazing. There's Ron, there's Tony, Fish, Rob. Slow down, 
Smile. Uncle Jim, don't trip. Dad, dad, holy shit, that's my dad. I'm getting married. I am standing between Bo and Chris, the live oak as thick and wide as a Volkswagen to our backs. The time is 4.36. The temperature is 89 degrees and the humidity is 100%. I reach into my back pocket for the color-coordinated Paul Smith pocket square Abby slipped under my door in the night and wiped my forehead. Over my strained, smiling cheeks and through my squinted, tearing eyes, I spot her floating across the lawn towards me. When it came time for Beau's remarks, the homily really, the bridge, the sermon, he recited from memory verse from the 14th century poet Hafez. Love wants to reach out and manhandle us, break our teacup talk of God. If you had the courage and could give the beloved his choice, some nights he would just drag you around the room by your hair, ripping from your grip all those toys in the world that bring you no joy. Love sometimes gets tired of speaking sweetly and wants to rip to shreds your erroneous notions of truth that make you fight within yourself, dear one, and with others, causing the world to weep on too many fine days. God wants to manhandle us, lock us inside of a tiny room with himself, and practice his dropkick. The beloved sometimes wants to do us a great favor. Hold us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. Friends and Neighbors is a Wagner Brothers production. Download our podcast on Apple, stream it on Spotify, watch it on Facebook or YouTube, and subscribe to our newsletter at friendsandneighborshow.com. And if you're moved or inspired by what we're doing here, please, for heaven's sakes, rate, comment, and share Friends and Neighbors with your friends and neighbors. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and until next week, it's a good feeling to know we're lifelong friends.